Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Everybody, Doc Brian here, and welcome to Doc Talks, where we talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life. And today with us, we have Katie Boyle. Did I say that Hello. right? Yeah, it's perfect. Good, good. So um, Katie is a comedian in New York City, and um, I'm so glad that she's joined us here today. I've kind of stalked her Instagram page a little bit uh, to see. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there about relationships. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, we we may have to get into uh, Katie's relationship issues in a little while, but uh, uh it's it's going to be a fun time. So I, from from just hearing your voice, I hear a bit of an accent, and that's not a New York Upper East Side kind of accent. So no. I'm guessing Irish, possibly? Yes, I'm from Ireland. Okay. Yeah, I've, been, I've been here six years. Six years. So you grew up in Ireland and, and then moved here. So in, in moving to America, was it a, a real culture shock or were things kind of normal whatever normal is. No, it was definitely a culture shock for sure. Like um, we speak different Englishes firstly. So had to learn to not speak in Irish slang all the time because nobody understood what I was saying and talk slower. So that was a, a, it was like, yeah, it was like learning a different language or learning a different speech pattern. And yeah, just the way people behave, you know, the dating culture, uh, the way people act here, it's very different, but I like it. Like it's, New York is like, you can be whoever you want to be. So it was very freeing coming from a small town in Ireland. Right. And the thing about New York is uh, you'll probably never see that person again, whoever you interacted with you, or or saw yeah. you on the street. So That's so true. I've cried on the subway a bunch and been like, this is great. No one's going to be calling my dad being like, I think Katie's <laughs> really struggling. <laughs> They're just yeah. like nodding like, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. So I, I was a police officer for for a number of years in North Carolina, and we had the uh, Cape Fear port there, and we would get a lot of ship traffic. And we had a ship come in from Ireland one time, and they have their own, I guess, like security officers on the boat. And when the guy got off, he said, excuse me, I'm going to go smoke me fag. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> so is that a normal Irish slang? Yeah, yeah. Like even one of the bars back home, when I went home on the outside, it says smoke your fags outside. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is so I forgot how normal that is. It's just a. A, a slang word that yeah we use and you could never say that as soon as an Irish person moves over and if they're like oh I'm going for a fag and they say that I'm like don't say that here That's not, <laughs> you'll get in trouble and they're like oh okay um so what's yeah. another slang word that you wouldn't say here in America I guess I wouldn't say I okay I we say for underwear it's k-n-i-c-k-e-or um 
but with my accent, it can sound like I'm using like a racist word. So I just gotcha. don't say that. Gotcha. Um, okay. And I remember one time my friend, she came over and she was talking about buying underwear, but she said that walking down the street and I was like, just be careful saying that word because it actually sounds like a slur. And right. she was like, oh God, yeah, I didn't even, but that's something you would always say in Ireland. So everybody says that, Um, you know, they'd, they'd even say that word and say, don't get your underwear in a twist, mm-hmm. but it's just so normal. But just with the accent, it can, so I have to be very, even one time I said, feck it, I dropped something. I said, feck it. And some guy was like, we don't say that word here. And I was like, what? But he thought I was saying a different word that sounds like that. But I was like, oh no, it's like, fuck it, feck it. Not what you're thinking. <laughs> so yeah. just have to be careful because yeah. it just all sounds similar. Yeah. So tell me about growing up in Ireland, your your parents, you have any siblings that, that sort of growing up time? I have four siblings, but they're all from my dad and my stepmom. And my dad and my stepmom are amazing. My brothers and sisters, I'm very close to them, but I'm 12 years older, I think, than the youngest, my, or than the eldest of the group. So there's 18, uh, 16 twins and 15 and I'm 30. So, but we're all very, we're very close. You're what age? (laughs) 30. This is so much fun because typically I'm the person that people say, you have a horrible accent. I like your accent. You're like, y'all. Yeah. From, 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 you know, Southern America. uh, It's just, it's fun. Uh, I was on a podcast with, with Mara and somebody posted, it was really good if you could get past his accent. (laughs) I love that accent. That's the only one I think I can do justice for like, um, just because every Irish people, when we think of American accent, we're always like, y'all, I'm going down to the (laughs) south. (laughs) It's fun. It's endearing. Yeah. So you had four siblings, but they're all step sibling or half siblings, I guess. Technically half, but we just like, I don't even think they even sometimes remember that I come from like a different mother so gotcha. which is nice it just shows how like great my stepmom is she's very like um yeah she's like, my stepmom's like a big sister she's gotcha. also quite younger than my dad so she's like more like a big sister but she's great i'm very lucky did your mom and dad divorce or was did your mom pass no uh it'd be easier if she did to be honest that's a terrible thing to say touch wood but people get so uncomfortable let when me I let me write that it. down real quick here <laughs> I know that's such a horrible thing to say, but I mean, people get very uncomfortable when they start to ask me about my parents or whatever. Um, And I don't like, I don't like necessarily making them feel uncomfortable, but I don't speak to my mother. I haven't in 13 years in February, actually. So last month, but my parents divorced when I was five and I lived with my mother until I was 18. And I was, when I was 18, I just left my house and never went back. Was there just anger there did she suffer from some mental illness or oh i'd say definitely an undiagnosed mental illness and if not then she's just like the devil spawn there's no reason there's no logical explanation for her behavior unless it is just because i know with my father when he left he was like you need to get your you need to get your mental health checked but she just refused so that that's it but yeah was there like mood changes or depression or just anger or yeah all of it it was like living in the house was like walking on eggshells constantly one minute she'd be like brushing her hair crying into the mirror about my dad next minute she'd be throwing plates next minute it'd be like let's paint together it was like fucking you didn't know what and you could never react you had to just always go with the flow on it because you could say anything to like oh I like lettuce and she'd be like what do you mean I'm a bad mother and you're like fuck (laughs) Um, but it was normal as a kid I just was like okay this is what's happening and I have to like she would, she would scream at me for breathing too loud or 
you know, sometimes a lot of the time she would make me sleep in the bed beside her. And then she would spend most of the night screaming because I'm breathing too loud or like I'm moving too much. But like, the rational, you know, thing is don't have me, don't demand me to sleep in the bed beside you. So every day was like a constant, fuck, what's going to happen today? What's going to set her off, if that makes sense. And, and you lived with her until you were 18, did you say? Yeah, yeah. When I was five, there was a therapist that asked me, who did I want to live with? Um, and at the time, fathers, now, divorce had only become legal. Fathers don't have any uh, rights. And she said to me, if I didn't say her, uh, she, I like I'd never see my friends again. I'd never see her again. And she like, you know, she wouldn't be able to cope and I'd never see my grandmother. So I just was like her. Now, I'm sure that that didn't affect it much. But I do know since I was small, I always said in my head, <laughs> this is ridiculous, but I always said I give it till I'm 18 and then I'm fucking out of here. And when I left, I walked out with just a school bag and that was it. I didn't take anything but one poster that I really liked. Um, and then I went back for like a couple of clothes. But other than that, I was just like, ah, my freedom. Because I just felt as well if I put it until I was 18, it's like I've done my time. I've done my kind of, now it's my time to go fucking live my life, if that makes sense. Right. And, and a lot of times we'll hear that from parents who are living together that want a divorce, but they'll stay until their kid turns 18 and then yeah. they divorce. So this is kind of the opposite of that yeah. with you. Uh, but yeah. you were the only, are, are you your mother's only child? Yeah, thank God. Okay. I, even when I was like 15, I was like, please don't get pregnant. I don't want to have to, I want to be able to leave when I'm 18. Because um, obviously if there was another, if there was a brother and sister, I would have had to keep up contact. But um, yeah, no, I was lucky. And like for my father, he left when I was five. But I think the choice was leave or murder her. Um, and I think for him, he he's such a good man. He's so calm. But she would like push him and be like, you know, hit me. And then like, or we would have to lock ourselves in the bathroom. And she would just like, throw herself up against the door and we would just wait it out so for him I don't blame him I'm like yeah that makes like it's and we got to have a relationship then on weekends and stuff so it was kind of like an escape to like a normal life if that makes sense so I feel he made the right decision <laughs> right so so she was I assume never hospitalized for for any of this at all um, no, no. And her family, it's like the fucking mafia, the way they went on. They still to this day, I'm out of it there 13 years and they still to this day were like, you know, oh, they like wrote to my podcast people who and tried to get me cancelled. Like it was crazy shit. They would never contacted me, of course, but it's just it's like, oh, why why make things easier? Like they'd like a drama, you know, but and I, the thing is, I'm a child. She's an adult, but they still give excuses for her. Whereas if they had of when I, let's say my father leaves, then I leave. The rational thing would be to be like, okay, there's something going on with this woman. Let's get her help. But instead they indulge it. And they're like, I don't know if they don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense. Like they left me like nasty voicemails when I left and stuff like, oh, you know, hey, could you abandon your mother? And it's like, I'm fucking 18. Okay. I gave 18 years. I'm fine. Um, But it's like, they'd rather her not be their problem. I don't understand. It, actually, now that we're talking about this, I'm like, why didn't they just be like, well, I think you need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. But no, so, they just indulged her. So the, do they think that if they, for lack of a better word, ruined your career here, that you would be forced to go back to her and then they wouldn't be, she wouldn't be their problem anymore? Maybe, because even now, like I get messages sometimes like from, let's say, like a cousin who, and it's not their fault. They're just trying to be like, oh, you sure you don't want a relationship with your mother? Like she talks about you. And I'm like, okay. It's easy. This is my mother doesn't want a relationship with me because if she did, she would contact me. But instead, she's saying this to all these people because it's a bit of a drama. It's a bit to be like, oh, I've shit. 
Um, you know, there is easy solutions. I think when people pick the harder solution, it's because like, you know, I've been out of there for 13 years. She never once gone. Imagine saying, okay, I'll give you an example. Imagine saying to my cousin at Christmas, oh, you know, it's a pity me and Katie don't have a relationship. Two months previous, they had, or maybe it was, sorry, that was this Christmas. So it was a year ago. I forgot about the pandemic. So a year previous, they had emailed an agency who don't even actually represent me. They just represent my podcast. So thanks for thinking I'm more successful than I am trying to get me canceled. <laughs> so do you know, like that sort of level of, that's in a land that doesn't exist in logic. But so I guess, and I guess for my cousins or them, maybe yeah, I think you're right. I it, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe they just don't want her to be their problem. But yeah, I don't know. I just think they just like to live in the kind of dramatic world. Or they may have the similar diagnosis, just not as extreme as she has. Yeah, maybe there's definitely like stories there that like I'd say for me, like my dad, when I was five and she was like throwing herself up against the door, he said, we were in the bathroom and he was smoking a cigarette and he goes, I hope you're learning how not to behave. So I think for me, that going forward was I was like, I don't want this. I don't want that drama. I don't like the way she's behaving with these people. So it was very good life lesson. But I definitely think with my aunts and uncles stories I've heard from him. And it's just a bit like, yeah, maybe there is maybe something happened to them as kids, you know, that I don't know that traumatized them and that there's a reason they're like that and they don't want to admit to it. So there, there probably is a story there that I don't know and I don't need to know. Right. But, so if you don't mind me asking, what what was their premise of trying to get you canceled? Oh, I spoke about having a bad relationship with my mother on my podcast, but I never actually said, it's so funny because um, I never actually said the things she did. And I'm like, you're fucking lucky. Like in one way, it's like, wouldn't you be like, Jesus, thank God she didn't get into detail. And um, my co-host was Des at the time and he spoke about his issues with his mother. And I just spoke about how I don't talk to my mother. I said there was a lot of emotional abuse and he kind of got into it a little bit, but I didn't get into any specifics. I just got into how like my, like my father left and how good my relationship is with my father. But I think they were just afraid. Well, what else? Well, even look, even the email didn't make any sense. The email said that I had implied that my mother had sexually abused me, which I never did. Uh, you can even listen to it. I never ever said that. I'll say that here. She didn't do that. But I said there was emotional abuse and they're trying to explain that in the email was abuse could mislead people into thinking sexual abuse and it's like oh come on but like Des was so upset about the whole thing he was like they're fucking gaslighting you you could talk about what you want and it's like it's true I can I just choose not to make my listeners uncomfortable with the details of what I went through and I don't want to identify as the girl who you know I just it's it, it's a part of my identity it's not my full so I've chosen not to share more about it but like you know they're lucky I'm not like a fucking vengeful cunt because like I could have been like do you know what actually fuck you I'm gonna get into the podcast and tell everybody what you did but um and I'm but gonna I'm just, tag you and take out an ad in the newspaper where you live or yeah, yeah. or however it works and and yeah. uh so everybody's exposed yeah, yeah yeah and it's like I even when I left when I was 18 I remember my father saying to me something like if you don't want to tell people, you don't have to because it's nobody's business. And I never, I never told people. I just said, this is my choice and that's it. I never said what went on in the house. And now that I'm 30, I'm like, I was a fucking child. The fact that they all just presumed that nothing went on, that I chose to not speak to them. Like if you choose not to speak to your mother, there's fucking something going on. Secondly, my cousin, who I'm very close to, she was the only adult in this whole situation. Um, she was 16 at the time and her her family, everybody gave her a really hard time for keeping up a relationship with me. And she was like, I don't care. I'm staying out of it and I'm staying friends with her. 
And if you guys have an issue with that, that's like your own problem. Don't, don't talk to me about it. And we've been best friends ever since. She's amazing. But we were like, we grew up together. But um, she one time said to me when I came home uh, for a visit, she said, would you like to see your mother? Like, you know, she's down in my house if you want to. And I said, no, and don't push me on it. Like I've made my decision and I'm happy with it. And she was like, I just don't understand. So I gave her an example of a couple of things that went on in the house and she started to cry. And she was like, why didn't you tell me? And I go, because nobody asked. Mm -hmm. Why would I go tell anybody? No one asked what was going on. It didn't didn't make sense for me to be like, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're just like, it's not until you're fucking years out of it that you're like, oh, hold on. If that was my little sister and that stuff was going on, I'd be like, we need to get you out of here. Mm And there, I think even in childhood, there's a little bit of shame that's projected on us that while we know we don't deserve it, there's this little thing in the back of our head that says, well, maybe I do deserve it because we don't know any different. Yeah. And there's like a, you know, you see other people and their mothers and there's this like amazing relationship and we didn't have that. You know, she'd always be like kind of implying like I ruined her life or whatever. And it's like she was fucking 25 I think or 24 when she had me like you're not that young um and it's your own fault for not being responsible yeah so I think there was a lot of that where I felt like she was like you're so you know you're so lucky that I like look after you or whatever so Mm. I definitely think there was probably guilt there as you say yeah so in school growing up there how was academics how was your school life it was good um smoked cigarettes um (laughs) and drank a lot uh, but who, what Irish child doesn't, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was pretty good. Like I actually was doing bad in my final, well, well, firstly, my mother made me stay back a year and she made me do a transition year, which I didn't want to, but I think it was just to keep me longer to keep getting money from my dad. And then, um, and actually I ended up loving it in the end. Like I probably, I had a great year. Like I didn't want to, but you know, whatever. It's mm-hmm. like an extra year in school is fine. Um, and then, because uh, in Ireland, you have the choice to do the fourth year or not. Um, and then my grades were grand, just normal, kind of basic. But then my final year, they went really down. So let's say in your leaving cert, which is your SATs, you can get 600 points. And I got 200 in my mock. So it's like pretty bad. It's like nearly failing. And then I left, I left home and I went and lived with my dad for the last uh, five months before my leaving cert. And I left school. I signed myself out. I said, I fucking, I couldn't deal. The way the school handled the whole situation as well was absolutely, I had a career guidance counselor call me saying my mother come down to school saying, how would you feel if she killed herself? You'd feel very guilty that you didn't keep up a relationship with her. So I called my dad. My dad called her and was like, if you never talk to my child again. But I was like, I just, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm going to study at home. And he was like, yeah. Oh, I stayed at home for most of it because you could. there was like study periods for that. You didn't need to be in school. And I went from 220 to 445, which is a huge jump. It meant I could get into most like good colleges. I got all of my choices. Now I decided to take a year out because I was just like, I want a year out. But, um, but it did show the difference, let's say, between getting to live with my dad and my stepmom compared to like the mentalness at home. Absolutely. So did you then go into college after a year yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. I... I didn't want to do any of my courses because I wanted to go to art college, but I hadn't applied for it. So my stepmother got me into a portfolio course, which is like a year um, and just to work on my art art thing. And it was great. Like I hadn't even applied for it. I didn't think I was going to get in. And she went down and like, she's amazing. She like spoke to the principal and was like, ah, my daughter had like hard year. Anyway, you can squish, squish her in or something. I don't can't remember what exactly she did, but she got me into the course. And then I applied for art, art college after that. I did that. Uh, I had moved out, moved in with a, a boyfriend in um, actually in the town that I had left, but it was the opposite side of the town. So my boyfriend was like living 
in the town where I grew up. Um, but it was the opposite side. So, so I managed to like avoid her for most of it um, until a few years later. But yeah. So she didn't just like show up unannounced at your house where you were staying? No, she showed up at my job though. Um, she started to have sex <laughs> this is a few years later with the owner of the the bar that I worked in. And I just, I didn't tell anybody that she was my mother and she would like dry hump him in front of me while I would pick up glasses and stuff. And I just was like, I'm just going to pretend it's somebody else. Now, eventually my coworkers did find out she was my mother, but it was because we were all out having a cigarette. And this was a couple of months now. The owner is unattractive, lots of money, way older than her. My mother's like very like, she would have amplified her sex sexualness and very, very good looking woman. Like I'll give her that. She's gorgeous. I was out having a cigarette with them all and they were talking about, oh, like the boss is slow. Like she's such a slow and like, and you know, that's kind of more common to say that stuff in Ireland. There's definitely a bit more, but in their defense, it was like 2 PM on a Tuesday. She's dry humping them in front of kids. Somebody made a complaint. There is like, you got to kind of control yourself. And I was just smoking, didn't say anything. And then there was a guy who had started, who went to school with me. So he knew she was my mother. Now my boyfriend knew that as well. He worked there as well. Um, and he goes, what are you doing? That's Katie's ma. And they all looked at me because they've been going on like this for months and I never said anything. And I just got up and I was like, look, I don't speak to her. We're strange. I just didn't want to be associated with any of her behavior. And I don't want you to associate me going forward. Uh, you know, it's separate. Please don't worry about it. And then I went in and then my boyfriend got up on like a thing and he was like, everybody just don't worry about it. It's fine. Let's continue on. <laughs> um, and that was grand. She came into the restaurant once to get served. Like, you know, my, my coworker knew the situation. She was an older woman. I was very close to her. And when she saw her come in, she goes, you're going on break. And I, that was grand. She would kind of like cover that, that hole. So there was no, but like, I don't know what my mother was thinking that she thinks that that was, or when my appendix blew up, she arrived into the hospital. But here's like the thing that really solidified it for me is that, that we had no, okay. She never tried to contact me to talk about when, to, when going on. Like you think you'd be like, Hey, let's sit down. Let's start this out. That's normal. That's logical. But my appendix a year, nearly a year after uh, I'd left home, like two years, maybe it blew up. My dad came and got me. He brought me to the hospital and they said that nobody could come in but family. So my stepmother couldn't come up, but my dad was there and she, my stepmother sent up a, she had packed a bag of stuff. So it was like my favorite chocolate, a book, underwear, pajamas, moisture. You fucking think about it. Or she had it in there. It really shows like a caring mother. My actual mother shows up with nothing. Uh, I'm like fucking attached to a bloody whatever thingy. I don't know, like whatever it is. Like I can't go. I'm out of it because I'm on drugs. And then she's just sitting there kind of like, and it was just, my dad wouldn't leave until she left, but she was able to say, oh, I'm her mother. Let me go up. But we haven't spoken in a year like or two years. This is mental. You want, She didn't even bring anything. It's not like, hey, Seamus, who's my father, if Katie does want to talk to me, I'm here, but like also respect the boundaries. Oh no, you're going to go fucking arrive in when I'm like, I, there's nowhere I can go. Now, in fairness to my dad, he wouldn't leave until she left. So he was just like, I'm just going to sit here. Until <laughs> yeah. So how awkward was it her showing up at, at the bar and yeah, pretty awkward. Uh, having a relationship with the owner? I mean, did you ever just think, well, maybe I should just quit and go work somewhere else? No, because I'm a fucking stubborn cow. <laughs> <laughs> I am very good at compartmentalizing. And that I love that job more than anything. And my boyfriend who I lived with worked there. I had gotten employee of the year. I was a senior staff. I was working full-time while in college full-time. And I'm like, I'm not going to let this 
this is fine. I can just kind of, you know, I, I was always happy with my decision. If anything, it just solidified that decision. Like, uh, you know, there's a rational behavior because she could have picked anybody to bang, you know, you know, there's a, it's a town of 10,000. I think it was more of a, a power move to try to uh, manipulate you into doing whatever it was she thought she could manipulate you into doing Yeah. Uh, for fear that you would lose your job, you know, that she would. Yeah. Wow. So uh, graduate from college or finish college. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with I, a good GPA. I got <laughs> uh, all A's by my thesis. The little bastard brought me down. Um, but I got to be in that. So good. Yeah. I, I uh, interviewed a guy one time. He said, I finished college. And I said, well, good. What degree did you get? He said, I didn't. I finished. When I was done, I finished. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, so what no. was what was your degree in? Um art. And it was actually funny when my when I was leaving and I got those angry uh an aunt arrived up to my friend's house that I was staying in. This is when I was 18 and left. And she was like, Your father's not gonna pay for college. We were gonna pay for your college because they all have like money by my mother. Um and um my dad was like, what is, what is he talking about? Of course I'm going to pay for college and all the money I was giving her, I'm going to give to you to help you with rent. I was like, mm. great, thanks. <laughs> so, I was like, I would have left years ago if I'd have known that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and the college is great. I, you know, I worked full time during it, but I also worked really hard. I loved our college. It was amazing. I loved every day of it. So did you say you have been here for six years? Six years. Yeah. Okay. I left. So what happened between the years of turning 18 to to when you arrived here so I guess that would be four or five years yeah so I came here when I was 24 I finished college when I was 23 I and I paid for the graduate visa but I had to wait you have to wait until you graduate so you don't graduate until I guess I was I finished school 20 college 23 and then there's the summer and then you graduate graduate in November my final year of college, I broke up with my boyfriend who I lived with. And my cousin, this is the same cousin who's amazing, said to me, I think you, you need a holiday because that was all very like, you know, it's hard. We were living together. We were together three years. And so she took me to New York with her um, and we had just the best time. And I, when I got here, I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. So I came back, I put the money down on a visa and I just had to wait till I graduated before the visa came into effect. And the day after my graduation, I flew to New York. 24th of November. So what was the dream once you got to New York? Um, I wanted to be an artist and I worked at MoMA PS1 in an internship, but I hated it. Now, in fairness, it was probably the best thing I did for my, because it like taught me to have like a thicker skin. It was fucking hard. It was like really like, like not paid long hours. They don't, they, they weren't very nice, which is like also fine. Um, I wasn't very good at it. Um, I did learn how to be good. It was very much sink or swim. And I was definitely like <laughs> sinking a good bit. <laughs> but I learned loads of skills, um, like how to run. Like I ended up running a lot of comedy shows and I learned in that how to like put on shows and a lot of like New York stuff that you need to know. Um, but there was a comedy club across the street from it. And then I just, after I did my internship, I started going to the shows and I did comedy one night. And then fast forward, I've been doing comedy five and a half years now, nearly. It'd be six years in August. And I just loved it. As soon as I did it, I was like, oh, this is, I much prefer this than than art. And I've been doing, I've wanted to be an artist since I was like, a, I think I was drawing before I was talking. Um, but I also talk a lot. So doing comedy makes sense. I used to get in trouble by teachers all the time. They'd be like, she talks too much in school. And now I want to call them and be like, bitch, I got a podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so so did you ever see yourself doing stand-up? 
I would have never done it in Ireland, but there's something freeing about in New York where you say, I don't fucking know these people. Mm-hmm. If I bomb, it's fine. And then I actually enjoyed it. And and I was just like, okay, I just got to work hard on this. And I just, from the moment I did it the next day, I was doing like three open mics a night. I started running a show a month in. I was like, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to. And then there's so much like stigma with it. Like my family were like, the fuck are you doing comedy? And like my friends were like, what? And I was like, okay, I really want to make this work and um, show people this is something I can do. And then it was just, then it just ended up for myself. I was like, I, I, I got, being on stage is where I'm my happiest. So it started to prove something to someone else, but ended up making you happy in the process. Yeah, I mean, not, I guess for me, maybe this will be a mental health diagnosis. I'm always like, you know, when someone says you can't do something, I'm like, fuck it, I can do it. And so I think even with my leaving cert, you know, when they said, oh, your father won't pay for college, you're going to do bad in your leaving cert. Then I was like, I'm going to do fucking well. And then with college, I was like, I'm getting A's. And then like with work, I can work hard. I can get employee of the year. Anything for me was always trying to prove that like I'm doing fine. And and then with comedy, when people were like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? I'm like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to be great at this. But then I just loved it so much. And it's like, and my dad had said to me one time, like, make sure you're doing stuff for you and not for other people. And then I was like, oh, that's a great life lesson. That's so true. Because like, who gives a fuck in the end? People are thinking about it for a second, but people are thinking about their own shit. They don't care. Um, so, and then I just did. I loved it so much that I was like, oh, this is what, it doesn't even matter if people are like, Katie's 30 and I'm doing fine with comedy, but I'm not successful. You know, I'm not a 30 year old woman who's married with kids or whatever your idea of, but I'm happy. I'm like definitely struggling with money sometimes but I really enjoy my life. So I'd choose that. Then. Absolutely. And, you know, one one thing that the, the piece of advice that your dad gave you uh, is probably the best piece of advice that, that we could give anyone. And that is that, you know, at the end of your life, you're the one that needs to be happy. You know, yeah. you're the one that has spent your life. And uh, if we live our lives to make someone else happy, eventually we begin to resent them for stealing our happiness. Yeah. It never works out ever. So that kind of life lesson is, is the best that you can have. And we even talk about sometimes, um, you know, at least down South, we were taught that it was not okay to be selfish, but it is, Yeah, it is okay to be selfish because I need to take care of me first. And even, you know, with when it comes into a relationship, if I'm not happy, I can't get somebody else to be happy. And and frankly, as a husband, it's not my job to make my wife happy and it's not her mm-hmm. job to make me happy. Uh, we have to live independent of each other. So that brings us into your relationships and yeah. all of your Instagram posts um, uh, as to relationships. So are you currently in a relationship? No, I do. I've just had a couple of dates with somebody who's very lovely. So, but you know, it's new. We'll see. Okay. People so, cease to surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is the longest relationship you've been in since you've been in the oh, States? Not in the, like my longest relationship was in Ireland. I haven't lasted. I technically five months with one guy, but two months of it was FaceTiming because of the pandemic. So it's technically only three months. I generally don't last longer than three or four months. Okay. I kind of, if it's not going where I want it to go, I cut it off then because my ex in Ireland, we were together three years, great crack. A large part of that was a huge waste of time. Like I learned a lot. I don't think anything is a waste of time for the future, but I think it's important not to repeat those mistakes. And we weren't compatible. 
And I just stayed with him because I was lonely and I just didn't want to have to, I don't, I don't want to make that mistake again. So I kind of think I put this rule system in my head. I don't know if it's good, but I'm like, if I don't see in three months it going where I want it to go, or there's someone I'm compatible with future, I don't, it's not fun for me anymore. You know, I'd rather be using my time with my friends or my career. So were those expectations though communicated to the person you were dating? Yeah. Yeah. You're, Usually. You're like, yeah. I'm torn between, cause I'm always trying to like learn and there's lots of things that I've done wrong in relationships and I try to learn from and stuff. Cause I want to make sure, you know, that I'm not like, I'm very like aware that I don't want to be like my mother, uh, probably too much aware wearing regards that I've been like way too nice in situations where I could have been like, actually I can get mad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just learning about that. But I think I struggle with, I would like a relationship. I would like to meet a life partner. Um, I don't know if I want kids and and I think I'll figure that out before my eggs dry up. I don't want to even want to worry about that. You're, um, you're still young. Yeah. I just, I don't like the, I don't like the pressure. Um, so but I do want to meet someone and have, but I, the problem I found is that I either say that quite early on, so I'm not wasting their time, but then it gets really intense on their end. They're like, oh yeah, I want a relationship. And I, I you know, and they're, they're trying to fulfill this thing that they think that I want. Um, or I don't say it, I wait three months, I take my time, I go chill. And then they're like, what are you talking about? I don't want a commitment. So I'm trying to find a nice balance between that. Now what I do with this most recent guy, what I did say was before we met up, I said, I don't want to waste your time. And I don't want you to think that I'm just going to hook up. I'm not interested in casual sex. I'm not going to have one night stand with you, but I'm not going to say anymore because we don't actually know each other yet. And I'd like to get to know you. Mm-hmm. So that way I think it's kind of good. It's like, I'm setting it up that I just don't want to, I don't know. I, at the time I didn't know him. So I wanted to make sure I, I get to know him first and he is what I would want in a relationship. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so how many, when you, when you said, okay, I'm not into casual sex, we're not hooking up. How many dates then declined going um, out with you, you? Usually it would be three, but uh, <laughs> I had sex with him after the second date. But let's just say it like this. The first date was amazing. We had a great time. Second date, we were hanging out from 7.30 until 1.15 before I had sex. So I'm like, that's a really long date. And I couldn't help myself. He was, it was really hot, okay? We, I ordered the Uber and he was like, and then I, because I, I ordered the Uber, I was like, okay, now I'm going to kiss him and get a little hot and heavy and like have him something to look forward to. So I got on top of him and like kissing him. And then he goes, he's, he's British and he's like, cancel your Uber. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I'm going home. And then we start kissing and I look and I'm like, it's five minutes. We kiss again. I look again. It's still five minutes. We kiss again. I'm like, Jesus, this is taking. And then I realize, oh no, it's the little notification saying there is a cab five minutes away, but I had never pressed confirm. <laughs> and I go, oops, I didn't press confirm. So he lifted me up and dragged me into the bedroom. And I go, okay, so you've made your decision. <laughs> uh, and then we just had sex. It was great. Um, uh, but yeah, but look, we'll see. <laughs> of the relationships that you have broken up, are you typically the one that leaves the relationship? Yeah, I'm, I've always broken up. Okay. Are you the, uh, do you break up or do you ghost or do you just, does it depend? Oh, no, straight to their face always. And it's never, well, the guy previous, this uh, British guy, you know, he was following me on Instagram for a few years. He had me on a pedestal. He was like extremely insecure, very nice guy. And like trying, you know, how do I explain this? I was going the extra mile without going the mile. He kept like buying me stuff and like turn, coming to my shows and sporting it. But like after about two months, I was like, oh, I don't really know you because he couldn't just sit and have a chat with me. He was very nervous still around me. So that's why that kind of ended because he was just going through some shit. 
Yeah, he was he was trying to buy your affection. It felt like I was gonna. I don't mean to terror terrorize myself, but it did feel like love bombing. Mm-hmm. Like he was telling me all the things he thought I wanted to hear, but I'm like, I don't need all this romance. I just need to get to know you. And I kept kind of saying that, and eventually he just freaked out and he was like, "Oh, you want this different type of guy?" And I'm like, "Okay, I've never said that," but it was still like a nice breakup. He was like, he was like, "I don't know how I feel about you. I don't. What should I do?" And I was like, "You should end this." <laughs> And he was like, what? And I was like, we're ending. <laughs> and he was like, okay. So technically, I guess with that, he technically did it. I just made him do it. Yeah. So, but, um, so how many guys have cried when you broke up with him? Oh, God, no, no. And um, this this other guy had cried twice, though, while we were dating. And I'm not a huge fan of, I want to be progressive and stuff, but I don't cry unless it's something to really cry about. I think mm-hmm. it kind of... So that was kind of new for me to deal with. Um, but no, he didn't cry. The last the guy before that, we were dating three months and it wasn't going towards commitment, but he was getting all the benefits of our girlfriend without calling me a girlfriend. So he was like, yeah, you're right. He was like, I'm not ready for a girlfriend. And I am, I- I'm literally using you at this stage and you're, you're dead right to kind of end this. He was very like, I totally understand. Um, Good for him to be able to admit that. Oh yeah, he's a nice guy. He was like, I'm so selfish. I'm such a narcissist right now. He was like, he he was like hearing you say all this. I'm like disgusted with myself. Um, and yeah, he's not, he is genuine. I He come out of a very serious relationship and he felt like it was a huge regret. So I think for him, it was just a time to be selfish and that's fine, you know? He he said he hadn't planned to meet me. It was bad timing. He was really struggling with that. He wanted to date me and be with me, but... He just knew that he also wanted to probably, probably fucking slot around. And like, I don't also blame him for that, you know, or he just wanted to be free. He's right. now like fucking pissed off in Puerto Rico, having a great life. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, uh, and then the guy before that, just, I just wasn't interested in, he didn't cry. We tried to stay friends afterwards, but then we had sex and I was like, Ugh, this is weird. I have enough friends. Um, uh, the guy before that got very mad and he like sent me a lot of nasty messages and stuff. I don't know if he cried, but he sent me a lot of nasty messages. So I just blocked him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like a very, he was like my mother. I, after I dated him, I was like, oh, I have mommy issues. I need to sort my life out. So the guys after that have been very lovely. Once I realized that he did a lot of things my mother would have done that I didn't think were crazy. But then it was like, oh, I just have a high tolerance of crazy. And yeah, so that was like a huge turn in point. Yeah, we we have to be careful and when we grow up in dysfunction, that we don't just believe that that's a normal part of a relationship. Yeah. That that we can see that that dysfunction carries over uh, into other relationships. And uh, I, I would even go as far to say, um, you know, having sex with a friend doesn't ever work. I, I mean, it just and, – and, and I've even gone as far to say that you can't break up with somebody and continue to be their friend. It just, oh it, yeah, it doesn't work. No, no, no. Oh my God. That was like with the, this guy, I call him blurry for the podcast. Cause he was blurry a few times we FaceTime. <laughs> but, um, he was like, oh, we can be friends. And then when we had sex, I sent him like a message afterwards. And I was like, look, I have enough friends. Either we try to work on this and we be in a relationship or we go back to what I said, which was we end it. Cause it had been, tr- you know, three months and it wasn't, didn't seem like I was going towards a relationship. I wasn't really sure what I wanted and how I felt. So it was just like, I need space and then a month of space I was like I actually definitely don't like him that was the best decision but then if you're kind of like still hanging out and having sex it's like you can't you don't get a clear perspective yeah it it really begins to muddy the water as to what someone wants I, I counseled with a couple one time of where 
the the boyfriend wanted to have a open relationship and the girlfriend agreed to it but then every time she found out that there was something going on she became very jealous and at the end of the day what it was was she only agreed to it to continue dating him instead of just saying this isn't okay you know and and it you know it really does not matter how much you love somebody it's okay to say this is not okay. Yeah. Because if they really do love you back, then they're going to understand. And if that's really what they want, then you're not compatible. You know, and, and it's really hard because our emotions and we're invested in this relationship and uh, it just becomes so, so difficult. So within comedy um, now, um, what are you doing now? You know, I, I hope we're coming out of a pandemic here. Uh, it's looking kind of promising. Uh, but how how are you surviving now? Um, well, the Zoom shows are fine. And I um, I do the podcast and I have a show as well that we do outside and I do outdoor shows and kind of do a little bit of everything. And even during the summer, we were doing outdoor shows. So it wasn't really the worst thing. Like, I feel like you just adapt, you know. And for me anyway, in the before the pandemic I was doing stand-up a couple of times a night while working um day job and the pandemic made me really be like okay I need to monopolize other you know like the work more with the podcast I do a lot of video work now I do like a live stream for this thing that I get paid for so for me it was like kind of I wouldn't wish all this death on people but it was good to be like okay I'm 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 not working I'm working hard, not smart. I think the pandemic really did make us have a different perspective about life uh, and and what we're doing and how we spend our time. And as you said, I wouldn't wish death on anyone, but it it really did make us stop and realize that that we're not as thankful for some of the things that we need to be thankful for. Yeah. Um, and or just even to get a break. Like we all need to just relax the pressure we put on ourselves, mm-hmm. like especially in America, Jesus Christ, nonstop, like in jobs, you don't take a break. Oh, why would I take a break? It's like, fucking take a break. Mm-hmm. Eat your sandwich. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I always, I have always said your obit, your job will be posted as open before your obituary is printed. Yeah. Was that saying work to live, not live to work or something? Mm-hmm. Like that? Yeah. So what would you say has been the highest point of your life? Just the, the thing that you're just the most proud of. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm like very much in the moment. Let me write moment. that down. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's it's not like a bad thing, but I'm kind of like, I sort of enjoy every day recently. So like, because people be like, what's your favorite show? And I'm like, I don't know. Every show I do, I love. Even if I don't do well, I'm like, okay, well, I'll, what this is what I learned. Or something. Well, I usually do do well enough like I enjoy it so much um but I guess I'm proud of my friendships and my relationship with my brothers and sisters um I feel like I put in a good bit of effort no because it's kind of effortless I don't know I, I don't know I guess I'm just proud that I I don't know. It's a hard question to answer. I'm pretty happy. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um I kind of like my life and it's like I guess I'm proud that I cut off my mother and that I didn't falter on it, that I haven't. I spoke to my dad recently and he was like, oh, you might feel guilt one day. And I just said to him, you don't even know what went on in that house. I do. So I'm kind of 
And he was like, oh no, I know. I just want to make sure that you're whatever. Um, but for me, it's like, I'm proud that I'm like able to go, this was the right decision and I deserve to you know, have it easy, yeah. <laughs> easy life. <laughs> and, and not a lot of people are able to do that, to just walk yeah. away. So yeah, I'm proud of you for doing that as well. Thank um, you. While you make it sound like you packed your bag and you walked out, there was a lot of emotion in that moment of. Oh yeah. I had of, to crawl over a fucking chair to get out the door because she tried to barricade me in. So it was, it was like, and she like chased me down the street and I like choked on my chewing gum. <laughs> it was, it wasn't easy. It was definitely unnecessary drama. But, um, you know, also because I'm 18, like in hindsight, I'm like, I was 18. Most people move out at 18 anyway. What was she thinking? I remember even when we went up to get my school uniform, she was like screaming at the car. My brother was only small, but she was screaming so much her blood vessel burst in her eye. And he was like crying that he saw the devil that day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was coming on the poor kid but um yeah yeah I'm just yeah I'm like I love my life so much even when the pandemic happened and people were complaining and like oh and I was like bitch try to live with my mother for 18 years okay <laughs> this is fucking nothing okay this is a couple of, well I'm a month in lockdown I'm like I had to you know deal with my mother every day for years in my house it was like a fucking horror and you think about oh my god when I think about the kids that are probably with this is the thing that annoys me about parents is they think there is parents who think because I gave birth to you. And firstly, my mother was only in labor for 30 minutes. So calm down. It was an easy birth. Um, and also she told my father she was on the pill. So she was baby hunting. Okay. Um, her husband hunting. She picked the wrong one though. She picked a her husband. You just, um, parents, they think that because they have you or they create you, that you, that you owe your life to them. And like, that always frustrates me as well. If you're ever going to have a child, they're not, they're not yours. You just, they're not your toy that you can abuse or, you know, think that you can do anything to because you, you created. And I always think if I, when I, when I, when I dated that abusive guy, uh, everybody was like, what the fuck, Katie, break up with him. This guy's crazy. And then, you know, eventually I did. My friends held an intervention. They're like, you cannot be with this guy or whatever. And that was good. But it's funny that sometimes my family will like the odd cousin will reach out, not my close cousin, but being like, are you sure you don't want a relationship with your mother? And it's like, I, if I told you the shit she did and she was a partner, you'd be like divorce, like get away. But when it's your parent, there's this sort of like, ah, well, you know, but don't you love them? Blood sticker than water. I'm like, that's, it's just crazy to me that people don't see it. Like, like if it were a boyfriend, they'd be like, get rid of them. Yeah. And, and, and it probably comes from while they believe you in what you're saying, it's hard to believe that, that, that person, because they're not there 24 seven. Yeah. And I'm not giving the full details either. Cause I'm just like, ugh. I also feel like if I talk about it too much, I'm like a, I'm like a China cup that's glued back together. I'm doing fine. But if there's a chip, I might fall apart. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, ah, I'm, and I'm not ready to fall apart in front of people that are like, they, they they don't deserve that, if that makes sense. And they don't need to put people through that. I don't want to be like, because then if you tell people and they're like, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. You're like, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. Are you okay? <laughs> you yeah. Know? And that's why you hire a therapist and you, you go yeah. through these things. And, and yeah, and it's also, it's none of their business. You know, I've made my decision. They don't, I don't have to justify to them what I, you mm -hmm. know, does it make sense? Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes I have made in therapy was this, girl was telling me the story one time of her growing up and her being abused. And I just started crying. Like I was so, and she was like, Oh my God, are you okay? Cause I, and I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I am fine. And she was like, Oh, I can't tell you anymore. Cause it breaks your, and I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just, 
just keep going, you know, but it's some of the stuff that people have been through is so unbelievable mm. that that it would take place. And, uh, you know, of course, I can't speak about anything that's happened to my clients, but some of the most horrible things that you could ever imagine has happened to these people who are walking the streets every single day, just trying to keep it together. Yeah. And we don't even realize it. Yeah. The bad thing, though, is that I think most of the time people don't care. About other people or about About other people and their problems. Oh, yeah. I think people are very self-absorbed. I think maybe, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but this whole thing that we're all special and individualist, I think is actually quite bad. Um, you know, and I've had friends who will be like, you know, I had a friend recently be like, oh, this, you know, our, our friend, she never shares, she didn't share my stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, let, let's take a step back. Have you shared any of her stuff? And he was like, oh no. And it's like, okay, so now you're, you're only thinking about yourself. Like, why didn't you share her stuff before? And he was like, I just never thought about it. And I was like, so there you go. She's just not thinking about it. It's not personal. Everybody thinks they're like, I don't know. Everybody's just living their own movie, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But yeah, but then that's freeing when you realize nobody gives a fuck. No, people are too busy thinking about themselves. So if you say like something dumb at the party, you can just go, ah, nobody's going to remember. Or if they do, it's going to be for like five minutes. Yeah. And then that one person 20 years later says, hey, Katie, remember that party when you yeah, said. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not something someone will hold against you, I yeah. think. I don't know. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being on this part of Doc Talks today. Uh, And we're going to move into Doc Talks DX here, where we talk about a possible diagnosis. Uh, You can find that episode on Patreon. Break my personality. (laughs) We're going to pick you apart, but we're not going to chip the China cup. We're not going to chip. Good, good, because I can't afford more glue. (laughs) All right. Well, you can find Doc Talks DX on Patreon. We'll talk about this diagnosis and what we think really is is going on here, and give some ideas on how to cope uh, with the with the trauma that you have been through. And that's the word I'm going to use is trauma. Um, and so, Katie, I appreciate uh, you sharing your story with us, and she will join us here on Dot Talks DX. Um, Katie, tell us where we can find you and your podcast. I'm Ash Katie Boyle Comic on everything, and my podcast is on everything. It's called The Shift. So, yeah, it's just okay. about dating, relationships, and sex, and getting over shame. So, all right. Very Irish Catholic. All right. So, <laughs> so we will put all of all of that information in the description of this podcast. You can find uh, – also, you can find me at the.brian.com uh, on Instagram, the underscore doc underscore Brian. There's a link at the bottom of my website, the.brian.com, with all of my social media. Feel free to follow us there, and we look forward to having you with us next time. Make sure again to check out the second part of this episode, Doc Talks DX, on Patreon. Of course, Doc Talks is a part of the Be Frank Network. Again, thank you for listening. Have a great day, Katie. Thank you for being here with us again. Thank you.